What's up? Welcome back to my Attorney Didn't Tell Me Shit podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alfonso Salazar. And then the boring disclaimer, as always, don't skip it because it still counts. This is not legal advice. Nobody I have on the show, myself, Christian, anybody else, we don't know what's going on in your life. We don't know the facts of your case. So we can't help you unless you reach out to us. And like I said last time, these are going to stay on the air forever. So if the laws change between now and when you listen and you do something I said, that shit's on you. It is not legal advice until you come into the office and you can come visit us at centraltexasjustice.com. It's been a minute. I keep dropping them snippets because the holidays, like I said, everybody wants to get their legal shit wrapped up so they can start the new year fresh. So it's a lot of pressure. But I had time to get into the studio and I decided to change it up a little bit. A couple weeks ago, Christian and I were talking about, I guess, being good parents and disciplining your kids. So figured I'd bring some kid parent relationship law to you guys so you can put it all together, right? Wrap around full circle. Uh, I figured I don't know enough about it because all I do is criminal stuff. So I thought I'd bring in one of my homies. He's like the Texas Lincoln lawyer, fucking driving from McLennan County all the way down to San Antonio if you pay him enough. Jack of all trades. And the one thing we're going to focus on is uh, family law today. Nathan Oparo. What's up, bro? How's it going? Appreciate the invite, man. I'm ready to go and happy to be here. So the first thing I wanted to get into is uh, you're a damn nomad. You're always in every different county. Christian and I like to stick to the same places so the judges know who I am, so the prosecutors know who I am. Shit, the defendants and some of the other lawyers know who I am. <laughs> so what do you think is best or how do you like bouncing around from place to place? I like moving around because I get stagnant being in an office too long. Um, there's drawbacks obviously you're on the road and to your point when you don't when you're not there frequently enough you're not able to be rapport with people know the lay of the land uh, i like to call it every every county every court has their secret sauce and they think their secret sauce is the best sauce to have and it's just different sauce uh, but that's how they do it so when you don't know that it makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate spaces but um i kind of stick out from a from not to me tell me tell me there's not too many black attorneys who are younger and rural Texas, so I, I leave the impression just by me being me, so that might be what it is as well. Yeah, um, man, there's a, you say that, and that, that's actually quite true. I think I know four black attorneys in the smaller counties that drive around everywhere, and they're old-timers. I don't really see any of the young cats out there moving back and forth. I guess some of those places still haven't changened. Well, I'm, I can't speak. I've, I've only had positive experiences dealing with the judges and the court staff, but it certainly leaves people, you know, people remember me once they know who I am, you know. Um, sometimes you get mistaken identity being one of the, the few. <laughs> Nothing's uh, changed since law school, huh? <laughs> but uh, other than that, other than that, it's been a pretty pleasurable experience working in rural Texas and central Texas all the way around. All right, well, let's, we always do this. Me and Christian did this, our first podcast, too. Why the fuck should anybody listen to what you have to say, man? Give me some breakdowns of the kind of law you are familiar with. So I do family law, I do, uh, which includes child support, child custody, divorces, high asset divorces. I do uh, CPS work. I do civil cases to a degree. I'm, I'm, our office can't handle super complex and come from some litigation, but, you know, slip and fall here, car crash there, breach of contract here, things like that I can handle. And we do a whole lot of criminal law ourselves. I know that's your deal, so I'm not going to talk about it too, too much, but we do all types of criminal cases from the places you mentioned from. Um, and I do finally probate. Um, I do a lot of probate and wills and things like that. And 
All right, so that's a lot of stuff. Let's kind of break it down a little bit. Um, you're a better man than me. I've done maybe one or two family law cases, and fuck that, and fuck these kids, because, like, that shit is complicated. And the worst part is when my clients don't listen to me, I tell them straight up, hey, man, the only one's going to suffer is you, bro. Like, if you're not listening to me right now, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to lose this case. You're going to end up on probation. When family law and all that don't listen, it just seems like the only one punished is me. There's more time in the office. It's more work I got to do. And, yeah, they're like, oh, well, I'm paying you for it. But, yeah, Doug, I don't want to do this. And you're wasting both of our times. And you're wasting your cash. Yeah. Doesn't it seem to be the case? Ain't it true, man? I'm literally on the way here. A client called me saying that her uh, baby daddy didn't bring the kid down, fly the kid down with uh, him to uh, Austin here from uh, Kansas. And I'm like, well, it's been 20 minutes. He's been 20 minutes late. How about you just wait a little bit and do some figuring out? And sure enough. Yo, it's the holiday here. airport season. Like, chill yeah. the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he's going to get here. <laughs> so he she picked up, literally texted me about 45 minutes ago. I got my baby, you know, so it's. Things like that you deal with all the time. Um, that's just a for instance. I have so many things you forget them as soon as they pass because you got so much other things to worry about. And you would think like probates and will, that's cool. These people are either preparing to die or they're going to die. But then you have the family to deal with afterwards, right? I yeah. got to go put that thing in there. I got to advertise it out to everybody to make sure everybody knows that this thing is being probated. This person's passed and all this stuff is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. And the fucking claws come out, dude. Like, you weren't around for grandma when she was alive, but now that she's gone, that house is looking real sweet in this market. Let me get in the mix. Yep, yep. Or they... Or they find out they uh, their dad had a uh, uh, older kid. They had a, a brother who's twenty five years older than they had, and been rumors about how to deal with stuff like that. Man, like wow, that's a you find out when your dad dies suddenly that you have a brother who's forty five and you're nineteen. That's the only reason that the guys down the courthouse talk about family laws, like the secret family, yeah. like that drama that surfaces at the end. Yeah, they're just sitting there observing it all. They should be making reality shows about that. That was a crazy case, man. That, that was a that was one of those wild ones. He died in the middle of the child custody case and then doing the probate now. So. All right. So criminal law, we both do it. And it seems like it's a giant crux for everything else. If you get hemmed up in criminal law, it'll affect your family. It'll affect, you know, your will and probate because you're not going to have a lot of stuff left over. If you end up paying all these fines and you're paying all this stuff, you're paying attorneys, all that. I see a lot of immigration law. Everything seems to blend over. So a couple weeks ago, me and Christian were talking about disciplining the kids and whether spanking's cool or not and if it's legal or not. Spanking kids, man. <laughs> That's what you're, you know, me and Christian landed on, yo. Hey. Spanking and beating are two different things, but spanking, you know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a huge difference, and the law left a giant gap there, right, of disciplining your kids and then just you had a bad day at work and you're just a piece of shit. There's a huge difference there. Uh, but what we're getting into is the Family Code Chapter 264. And we want to talk about, like, let's say you are a terrible person. You like to beat the shit out of your kids because you've been drinking or you're having a bad day. Or let's say mom's a junkie and she gets, you know, the baby's born hooked on a specific kind of drug. We were talking about... Before we even got on air, we were talking about how different ways of like terminating your rights, right? 
And so the couple of things I was just discussing, you know, beating shit out of your kids, you're a drunk, you're a junkie, you're like abandoning your kids' places. That all is in the same vein of criminal law, right? Texas is the one that takes control of that situation and it's like, look, we need to step in and do something about this, right? Is that kind of an easy way to put it? Yep. Uh, CPS is what the acronym is, is Family Protective Services. Uh, they step in when there's abuse, allegations of abuse or neglect as to children. And abuse and neglect is a pretty global term. Uh, there's obviously specifics that need to be met before the state's able to come in and remove your child. Um, so you said family protective services, and that breaks into like two categories, right? CPS would be child protective, and correct. then they got adult for like APS, elderly, yeah. and that's or maybe diminished capacity, that correct, kind of thing. Correct, okay. Correct. So right now, let's just focus on the kids. Uh, because the adults, that gets into, like I said, all that stuff kind of blends together. So mm-hmm. when it comes to adults, diminished capacity, elderly, that sorts, there's criminal law that covers all that as well as family law. So that's a whole other sub- subject. Let's try to stick with them kids. Mm-hmm. And so that takes us section 161.206, right? Now let's say, let me get put a scenario out there. Uh, I hook up with some girl. She gets pregnant. Turns out she's a junkie that's just doing heroin every other day, and they have the kid, and it's addicted to heroin. Okay. That would kind of fall under that section, right? This is where Texas kind of gets uh, somebody at the hospital is going to call CPS and be like, yo, there's something not right here. So uh, oftentimes people talk about being mandatory reporters. So hospitals have an obligation, a duty, a legal duty to report uh, the child having uh, withdrawals or having symptoms or having narcotics in their system that are not therapeutic or not tied to anything that might benefit the child. So right. my OBGYN didn't hook me up with heroin. She gave exactly. me some exactly. some pills and some Correct. prenatal vitamins, but yeah. hitting that stuff ain't Correct. Wonderful. Or it's oftentimes uh, they test a meconium. Meconium is the first poop that a baby gives out, and they test that, and it might have marijuana in it, and if it has marijuana in it, that might be a basis to do a uh, removal. Okay. So the hospital... You said mandatory reporting. Mm-hmm. So like a nurse or a doctor Correct. or an administrator at the hospital, just uh, usually they have a CPS worker in the hospitals, right? They have a liaison that they, all they do is uh, check on things like that, investigate things on that, and then make the decision if they have to report or not report it, certainly. And that's the same one that, again, on criminal laws, when we get assault family violences and the spouse ends up at the hospital, they're the ones that reach out to the police too, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So I'm tracking. Baby's born. They're doing their tests, whether it's the fecal or there's mm-hmm. just some sort that baby won't stop crying and mm-hmm. just under underweight and all kinds correct, of correct, stuff. Correct. Correct. And uh, they do the test, find out it's uh, hooked on a substance that wasn't provided by the OBG. And how is this ball rolling? CPS shows up and like, let's do some talking. Typically, they usually usually CPS says one or two taxes. Either they like oftentimes our police officers either they become your friends or say hey you know you're going through something let's talk about or they come in there hot and heavy like yo this is what you're doing why are you doing it okay yeah that's that's perfect because that's (laughs) that was gonna be my next question i reference everything to criminal law because it seems like the one thing i'm real comfortable with so cps is playing good cop bad cop on your ass depending on who you are and how they can handle what they think works best or depending on the certain situations so certain situations is might be marijuana you know, women don't know whether they're pregnant. They might be eight, nine weeks and still smoking. So that might be potentially be a reason why that meconium has marijuana in it. So, yeah, we just stickler for testing. It's kind of one of the reasons Texas doesn't want to legalize it because 
I could chief up right now in 30 days. Somebody does a blood test on me and they'll be like, yo, you smoking weed? Yeah. Like, Dude, that was like a month ago. What are you talking about? Yeah. It so, just kind of lingers and it depends. Correct. For a whole host of reasons. We're going to talk about that for drug testing with CPS when we get down there. But yeah, it has a, it's, it's, it lasts a lot longer in your system, whether it's ingested or whether it's smoked and then your hair or your meconium or your nails. It lasts a lot longer than uh, other illegal. Uh, and and plus, I know if you're more heavy set, correct, it'll last in your fat cells. And let's correct. just say you're getting pregnant, you're putting on some weight all of a sudden. Correct. That's storing all that weed. Yep, and also in black folks, it, it things that linger in their hair longer when they have twisties and braids versus when you have a straight cut. Um, yeah, there's something about that. Uh, you, this ain't on film, but I got that nappy hair too. I got that thick stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I used to. It's all falling out now. <laughs> but I know it's earlier. There's man. something about that, man, that yeah. thickness that it just like lingers. Stuff just yeah. stays in there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so they do the test. CPS comes in and they're like, hey, you're doing the drugs. Uh, let's say it's something hard. Let's say it isn't marijuana, because that will take a little slower route. But they're hitting heroin. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody's doing heroin right now. Fentanyl's the thing, meth. but somebody's doing heroin they're or doing meth. Meth. Do yeah. meth. Do right. meth. They're doing meth. That's a regular right? example. Baby's just geeked out of his mind on meth. Mm-hmm. Um, CPS has already done the investigation. Now what happens? So it depends on if the mother is married or with the father of the child, what the next step is, because um, obviously a, a man can't make her ingest something typically unless he's forcing her to do drugs which that's not a thing people need to be forced to do drugs but if that is a thing then that could be a basis to remove the child from both parents but if the parent is a non-offending parent which is a term of art in cps if the father happens to be in whatever all right let's do this break it down this way because it seems like it'll be like an easy progression mm-hmm. no baby daddy just mama by herself. That's, and a, she's that's doing a straight up take. They're going to take and do a adverse for hearing. Remove the child and have a hearing down the road to figure out whether or not they should keep the child or not. And this kid is temporarily fostered with somebody else? Correct. Correct. So they have foster parents in the area. Uh, they try and keep the kid local to where the mother or parents live at because they want to be able to facilitate visitation, access, communication with the child. Okay, um, so that's great. Just because they snatch your kid from the hospital doesn't mean that kid's gone. Right, you can still visit the baby. You can still go to the foster stuff. Potentially, all right. So potentially, potentially. correct. So tell me what's up. What do you mean? So uh, typically, visitation. Well, for a newborn, the, the example we're giving, newborns have to eat three or four hours every day. They sleep. They wake up. They pee, poop. So you being around that child is going to be very, very limited versus a twelve-year-old. You know. So um, typically, when you have supervised visits, it will be for an hour. So you get the hour, you see your baby, and you're out. That might be an hour for once a week or twice a day or, or twice a week or three times a week, depending on what the circumstances allow for the capabilities of CPS, which is oftentimes limited. Yeah, I can guarantee you they're a government organization, so it's limited. Mm-hmm. So then let's just talk about, like, all right, you're doing a the visitation. They're in foster, but Texas or whoever the attorney is that's running this case has decided, like, no. Nah. We're, we're ending this relationship right here. We're severing this off. Mm-hmm. Mom, you got to go try to fix your life, get on your own best way. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep the baby out of all your bullshit. Okay. What does that look like? So uh, they when they take your kid, they, they, have a, they do a removal. That's what it's called. And when they remove the child, then they say for a hearing, kind of like a protective order hearing where you get ex parte. Ex parte means they, the CPS attorney files something without giving notice or giving access notice to the, uh, the, the parents. And then they're set for a court day that has to be held within 14 days of them taking your child. At that court day is where the judge gets to decide 
Is there enough here to do the removal and start a CPS case or should we dismiss the case or can we do a third option was called FBSS where it's basically court not FBSS court order services that if you do them we won't the CPS case won't matriculate beyond that okay so all that sounds pretty familiar to us as far as criminal stuff goes but let's kind of work backwards mm -hmm. we show up at the court hearing mm -hmm. I know when I walk into court I'm working with the highest level of burden on the state right mm -hmm. beyond a reasonable doubt mm -hmm. y'all need to have it locked up mm -hmm. Is it the same there for CPS when we're doing this family stuff, or what are we talking about? Absolutely not. It's a actually preponderance of the evidence, which is a standard for a civil case. It's more likely than not that the allegations that are being made against you are true and that those allegations warrant qualify as abuse and neglect. Okay, so you're talking preponderance. For most people, that's the scales 51 to 49. Exactly. All they got to do is get that one inch over you and you're exactly. done. Exactly. Correct. And that is for the ex parte hearing? No, that's just for the actual full removal hearing. So eventually after the ex parte, for, actually it's for both. Okay. But obviously when there's one side argument, you can usually win a one side <laughs> argument, right? So the same standards applicable for uh, the, the full, it's called an adversary hearing, uh, but you actually have a chance to have an attorney. Just like criminal law in CPS world, you're, you have a corporate attorney because the rights are just that serious. So if you qualify for attorney, you get one point to you. When does it switch? Because I've heard that switches to clear and convincing evidence. So when they actually try to terminate your parental rights is when it switches to clear and convincing. Okay, cool. So then I was confused on wh where we were going. So ex parte, that's just them kind of getting the kid into that foster family and mm -hmm. keeping them away from you, deciding if you get to go visit it. Mm -hmm. the, that adversarial hearing that's next, that's not termination. No. That's a continuation of, hey, they're going to stay with this foster family. Mm -hmm. You need to do X, Y, and Z if you want to start getting back in the good graces of the state. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of equivalent to like the Gerstein hearing where you have to have a hearing on the magistrate whether you get to keep this person in jail or not when you're in criminal court. Same deal. It's just a little bit more time because it's the nation the Hague. All right. So everybody that listens to our podcast is a bunch of like uh, criminal law nerds, but not lawyers. So <laughs> what's this Gerstein you're talking about? So it's a Supreme Court case that basically says that. You have to have you been arrested, regardless of when you're arrested, they have to magistrate you, it means tell you about your rights and set you for bond and let you know you can get an attorney point to if you need to within 48 hours. Um, but, okay. But so, when, you, when you get arrested, there's no judge involved, right? So very similar to how you get your kids taken. There's perfect. no judge involved with that one. That's exactly what I was about to say. All right. So all of y'all criminal buffs and not so much family buffs like myself. We're going to go hand in hand. So getting arrested and getting taken out of the jail is the ex parte hearing for family. They're just going to snatch your kid up. They're just going to put you in cuffs, right? Nobody gets to say anything. It just happens. Mm -hmm. Then that next step is magistration. We all know they're going to tell you what you did, and they're going to tell you Correct. how to get out of jail, mm -hmm. and they're going to tell you get a lawyer or mm -hmm. we'll hook you up, mm -hmm. and court's coming. Yep. And so that is the next setting that you said in that family law where – Hey, we snatched your kid in the sex parte. Mm -hmm. Hey, you can start doing this stuff if you want to. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to hook you up with a lawyer. Yes. And but, then, the, but the most important thing, and people don't realize this and always get mad after the fact, the only time you get to contest while you're in CPS court, the only time is at the first hearing, the adversary hearing. So if it turns out six months down the road in CPS world case going, that their allegations they made against you initially were false, it doesn't make a difference anymore. It's oh, so you got to come out swinging in family. Correct. All right, so when you say contest, basically that's you putting on some sort of testimony or evidence saying that this CPS case is bullshit? Yeah. 
Okay. So that's where it differs, right? We're starting to hit the ground running. And I guess it's because they want to take care of these kids. Yep. Right. At worst case scenario, in our situation for criminal, you spent some nights in jail. Yeah, maybe it that affected sucks. your life. It sucks. But sucks, <laughs> damaging this kid is kind exactly. of a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's why it's that's why all the cards on the table. And for instance, just because they go with one allegation while they're investigating the allegation, they might find B, C, D and E. They don't even care about it. They go to the other ones. They still get you. So say, for instance, they think you're doing drugs because you're super skinny and you're erratic and super. But they don't find any drugs. But then they find out that you have mental health and the mental health might impact you being a parent. They could take you. They could potentially take your kid because of mental health. Okay. And those are all those we just talked about preponderance of the evidence. 51, 49 and you lose. Mm-hmm. Then the next step would be them finally doing their full investigation, getting all the things they want on you, and then trying to kick your kid permanently? No. All right, what's up? What's next after this? Con- so, after the adversary hearing, you're in CPS world, baby. Uh, welcome to it. The statute requires that a CPS case be resolved within 12 months of the removal of the child. If not, it must be dismissed. Um, so, if there's court orders prior, say you have a child custody case prior, whatever orders prior to the CPS involved is what you go with. If there's no orders, then you go back to nothing. The law does allow for a one-time extension up to six months, but that's it. Uh, so regardless, the longest, besides when COVID was going on, then COVID messed things up, is 18 months. All right, um, so now just to do the references, right, you're on probation. You, they're just like, hey, CPS is calling the shots. Yeah, they, they can go in your house, go in your, go check you, make you do drug tests, piss tests, you know. Um, okay, so this is time. real serious. Yeah. I wasn't even putting this together. That yeah. They see. take your kid and then you either squash this at that first hearing or it's game on and you have to jump through all the hoops CPS Correct. wants. Correct. And depending on your case and your allegations, say, for instance, of drugs, get sober, show some sobriety of your Iraq living behavior, becomes more stable. If you have mental health issues, address your mental health issues. If it's a combination of all three, fix all three. Or oftentimes you're in an abusive relationship, leave the dude who's doing it, who's beating your ass. All right. And so basically you got a probation officer. And I'm assuming CPS is like probation. They have way too many clients. Correct. And they don't get paid enough. And there are people that they don't want to fucking be dealing with. Correct. And then there's some innocent people who are getting wrapped up into this system by accident. Correct. And so you're just going to run the gauntlet because they've got a template of you need to do this and you need to do that. And the judge said this and we're saying that yep. and now you're just at their mercy for up to 18 months. Yep. All right. Correct. So this seems like a way that goes two ways. One, you do everything that you're supposed to do or there was a mistake and you were innocent the whole time. And then you get your kid back. You live happily ever after. Yep. We don't do happily ever after here. You fucked everything up. You couldn't leave the drugs. You couldn't you know, get a stable house. You couldn't keep a job. Now we're in that final game. What happens? So eventually, at some point, it's going to be set for a final hearing. But before we get there, throughout the time you're in CPS court, they have a, what's called permanency hearings, where it's basically a status report about how you're doing or how well you're doing or not doing. Uh, those are required every four to five months. Uh, they're set for a court date. There's a, that's a document file that's called a permanency report that's anywhere between eight to 25 pages long that details how the kids are doing, how the parents are doing and what things they need to be doing to address going forward. It also explains what the position of the department is. The department is the CPS attorney. They always go by the department, just like the state. Right? So is this like carrot in the stick? Like we get to a status hearing and I'm doing real good. They'll be like, well, you can get more visitation. Correct. Or I'm fucking things up. We're going to take your visitation Correct. away. Okay. So they're trying to 
in they're trying to uh, what's the word? I'm incentivize. For? Yeah, they're trying to incentivize you to do the right thing beyond just being a parent and doing what parents are supposed to do. Yeah, correct. Okay, so they have those hearings. Do we know how many they have, or is just spaced in between how long the investigation lasts? So it really depends on how you're doing and what's going on with the kiddos. So if the parents are doing well, the kiddos doing well, they'll be quicker. There'll be might be one or two before you try and do what's called a mom to return. So. I'm gonna back. I'm gonna break it down a little bit. You mentioned earlier about how this ends. It can end one of two ways, three ways. The case gets dismissed. The case is uh, they get terminated, or the parents get what's called a monitor return, which means the parents get their kids back. But CPS still in the mix. Correct. Up to six months. Okay. Up to six months. So uh, throughout that, depending on the position of the department, is how long you need. So if you're messing up or fucking up, it's three month, two month, three month, four. But then you get better on month five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You might want to prolong it to show that the the fuck up was in the past and that you doing well is in the future is the present and the future. So it really depends on the circumstances of what the parents are doing because sometimes mom might be doing what she needs to do, but dad isn't. But mom and dad want to be together, or the kids are happy where they're at and they don't want to come back to the parents, or you know, or the foster parents want to adopt, which is a big issue that I talk to people about as well. Okay, so is. Is this like a delayed, long process because the state ultimately wants that kid to go home? Correct. He wants him to go home. There's a there's a uh, the CPS policy that is preferential for the parents to get their kids back. Correct. So all I'm glad you asked that. I'm sorry that all uh, uh, plans of action are family reunification. That's a, that's a default position initially, barring limited circumstances like criminal world. If the dad was molesting the kid for three years, they're not going to do that. Or mom had the kids strung out on drugs, then they're not going to do that. But barring extreme circumstances, or a kid being killed in the home, and the other kids are left, you know, barring those extreme circumstances, is always a default position that give the chance, parents a chance to be parents and be the family unification. So this is the one time the state's trying to take the high ground where they're like, "Look, we're just doing this so that you can get your shit together and have your kid back." Initially, yes. And then eventually, when you don't reach those standards. Then we're flipping the script, and now it's like, you know what? We don't think you're good enough for this kid. We're going to take this kid out. Correct. But, again, that's a subjective thought process, right? Like, I've, it's been my experience that a lot of these people don't realize, like, just because you don't live in River Oaks or Westlake or wherever high place, you could be a parent. There's a lot of poor people who get parents. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that, a lot of the issue, these people are just poor and don't have opportunities or they don't make the best of the opportunities they do have, and they're just poor and they try to make it the best they can. I wanted to get into that, too, once we finish this. So let's put a pin in that just for a second. Cool. Um, let's talk about the person who at the status hearing just keeps messing things up, just keeps messing things up, right? So, the reunification's out the window, right? And we're still dealing with the single mom because I don't want to get dad in the mix yet. Mm-hmm. Single mom just cannot get it together. We get to that last hearing where mm-hmm. they're just like, look, it, this shit's over. We've, we've tried. Mm-hmm. And you just, you ain't going to make it. So... Even with your hypothetical, you still have to serve the father, so they have to have they have to have a chance to participate as well. So, you can eventually do substitute service, which we can break that down to say we've tried to serve dad and he's failed to do the things that he needs to make sure that he's available to know about the CPS case. So we're going to proceed with let's, termination. Let's just make it real easy because we'll get into dad in a second. Mm-hmm. But let's just say he gets it and he's like, "Nah, I'm not going." Okay. They have a hearing and try to terminate. So there's one of two ways you can get terminated. One way is that you voluntarily sign a relinquishment. The other way is that you get terminated because they, the, the department can find one other other of the statutory grounds to terminate you and it's in the best interest of the child. So uh, the only benefit for parents to sign a waiver is that if you were to have children in the future, 
you have an opportunity to keep those children without having CPS involvement. And what do I mean by that? Say, for instance, you get involuntary terminate in 2015 because you were 15, you're a junkie, and things didn't work. You weren't in the right space to do what you need to do. Okay. Fast forward, you're now 28. You're now married. You have a kid with your husband. You're doing well. Y'all get into a fight. He puts his hands on you, and CPS gets involved. And you're, you didn't do anything wrong. And this, this is the first time he's put your hands on you. CPS could just take your kids. Because you've already had one taken from you. Correct. So they can. They don't always have to, but they can do that. Correct. So these do run really similar to criminal law. It seems like they just stack Legos on it. This would be like a crime of moral turpitude or something like that or an enhanceable thing. Mm-hmm. Once you get one, the government's already in your mix and they can just come in and just be like, nope, Correct. you're doing it again. We're going to take this kid. And when they do that, there's no CPS cases. It's over with. There's no full-blown CPS invest case, and it's over with. So it we, do we do we skip all the steps? Skip all the steps. And they just automatically go to termination, or it is termination? Uh, they have to go through the proceedings, but you don't have a right to have services. Like the probation, yeah. the, the actual go through the steps, they don't have to give you the chance to go through the steps. Okay, so yeah, this does run really similar. Basically, we're just jumping to the end because we already know how this goes. We they gave can. you the 18 months last time. Yeah. You fucked it up. doesn't they, matter that it was 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, and they can, but they, they can, but they're not required to. Yeah. Versus normally they're required to. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so that last termination, right? Let's talk about it. I've been mm-hmm. trying to push it that way because I think that's the one that everybody kind of is concerned about or wondering about. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what side of society you're on. We hear this a lot. A lot of shit I talk about on here is just stuff on the internet and whatnot. You always hear like, the state's always out here taking these people's kids. Or on the other side, it's Sometimes. like, why you keep giving these people their kids back? It's, it's, a, it's a balancing act, man. I was reading the news about these parents killing their kid in San Antonio three or four days ago and now the government, federal government suing San Antonio CPS. So, and the other situations where, why are you gonna give these kids back to their parents? They're doing, they're just poor. I mean, they're slow, but they're doing the best they can. But you know, we, they want to be nanny state. So it goes both ways. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. And that's why I think everybody's kind of interested on what happens, right? So they're, the difference here versus criminal and criminal is just one thing you're guilty or you're not guilty right and we do that beyond reasonable doubt mm-hmm. here it is two things yeah. right correct statutorily they need a reason they correct. need a law mm-hmm. and then there's this other thing called best interest of the child correct so let's go statutory first when they say statutory what are we talking about here just in layman's terms so there's a statute i think it's chapter 161 it goes from a to i think s grounds to terminate and one can be because of using drugs one can be because you sign relinquishments and one can one can be because you're incarcerated for more than two years so if a parent's incarcerated for 10 years and they can't participate that can be a grounds to terminate one could be for you don't work your services so for instance the reason why your cps is bullshit but you don't you say you know what i object to doing this because this is bullshit one of the grounds to terminate you is the fact that you refuse to participate and uh work in the services Okay, so if I'm understanding you, I'm picturing this statute broken down into two pieces. The first piece is you did some stuff that Texas wants to take your kid away from it. You're a child molester of your own children. You beat your kids. You do drugs. You have the kids strung out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kid in San Antonio, I know you were yeah. talking about so their star. That. So that's called aggravated circumstances. All those things you're saying are what's called aggravated services, which is a special type of CPS case. So in aggravated circumstances, you don't get to work services. They're just going straight to termination because how serious the allegations are and what's going on. So okay. that's a special type of case. You don't see those too often, only when a child was being killed in the home 
severely beaten up and injured to a child and the child's like comatose or you know have you know special or whoop whoop things like that is where they're strung out really bad on drugs those are situations where the department can file a affirmative filing of, of uh, aggravated circumstances which allows them to not offer the parent services visitation access communication with the child with the goal being to terminate quickly so instead of having the full 12 months with an aggravated circumstances case, it might be three months. Okay, so now that you say that, I feel like it breaks down into three sections. Correct. One is some crazy shit where we got to get in here and take this kid away before you kill it. That's one. Middle or, you did, or you kill someone. You kill a kid. Right, yeah, but by that part, they're just yeah. trying to get you in trouble and yeah. take the other kids. Right. You're doing some shit that's going to get this kid hurt. We're going to do this quick. Mm-hmm. Middle of the pack, you're doing some stuff that we don't think is good for this kid. So we're going to let you run the services and the procedures and try to get you fixed. Mm-hmm. Lastly, it's hey, these are the ones that are here to make sure you do the things you need to do when you've already done one of the second categories, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. Category one, we're doing it quick. Category two is enough to get on our radar. Category three is the stick to make sure you're doing the things while you're in category two. Yeah. All right. So they've got to check a statutory box, one of those three things, and it goes from A to Z or whatever on the statute. Um, S now? I think. S now? Yeah. Oh, so A to S, that's a shitload either way. Mm-hmm. Um, by a clear and convincing level of burden? Yeah, for both problems. What problems. is clear and convincing as far as the statutories combined? So it's just it's a civil case. It's the highest level burden of proof for a civil case. It's the same thing. So you have to... It's, you know, in law school, we say 75-25 is a lot more than uh, preponderance, but a, a less than a, a beyond reasonable doubt uh, in between the two. And you, you know when you see it. It just can't be you, – it can't be like, I think this happened. It's like more like, I, I know this happened. Shocks the conscience of lame people. Yeah. That's how I always remember, right? Like, <laughs> those regular-ass, boring people that have never seen anything in their life, if the thing you're showing them shocks them, yeah. then they clutch their pearls just <gasps> – then you've hit some clear and convincing, right? Yeah. I mean, and yeah, the words are combined, right? You have to convince this person this thing occurred by a clear standard. Yeah. So we're not talking 48, 51. We're talking right. a lot more. There's not really a finite definition, but mm-hmm. like you said, some stuffy Supreme Court justice was like, I'll know when I see it. Yep. And uh, I, I forgot, I, all these things we've been talking about, as soon as you're doing this through a judge, the judge is the one that's a fact finder. So either you have a judge or a jury. Most people don't realize that you can actually do a jury trial on CPS court. I've actually done one before. All right, cool. So I want to put a pin in that, too, because I want to talk to you about that, because we talk about that in our criminal cases. It was one of my last snippets that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, who gets the right to choose that, judge or jury? The parent Parents. or CPS? Yeah, I think it's actually either or. Anyone can. But typically, any party can request a jury trial. Any party can. Okay. So, so they've met their statutory burden, right? Let's just make it real easy. Mom's doing something in Category 2. We let her run the services. She wasn't really doing it, so she also did something in that Category 3. Hmm. We proved those up clear and convincing. You said there's a second burden that they have to get over. It's got to be in the best interest of the child for children to be terminated. Okay. So, not only... Are we seeing if this parent's up to par? We're seeing if removing this kid is what's best for them. Yeah. And that seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Because if mom is failing to do her job, mm-hmm. it would seem like it would be in the best interest of the kid to take them away. But it doesn't seem like that matches up. And I can give you an example. So it depends on where the kid's at. So it depends where the kid's at, right? So if they're in a foster parent's place where oftentimes, most times, foster parents are not permanent homes, right? So 
if you terminate some a child, they have to be adopted or they stay in the foster care. But foster care people that have been with them may not be willing to have them for six, eight, nine, or indefinite time. So that's an issue. A lot of times where oftentimes judges would like to terminate or think it might be the best choice to terminate, well, where's the kid going to go? So this is talking about maybe some older kids with like some behavioral yeah, issues. Correct. Like 12, going- 13, 15. People like adopting little babies because you can mold them. People are going to quick to adopt a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old. The 15-year-olds, not so much. They've already been through this shit. You know, they're a little jaded. They have some problems. It's going to take a lot more work. Or just maybe because they know who their parents are. Like, this is not, they know who their mom and dad is. Their mom and dad might have issues or has issues, but they know. And typically, regardless of what people think, people love their parents. I yeah. Mean, I that- mean, that that's I mean, lost on me, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, people love their parents when it comes to when it comes to it, whether it be a, a bad situation, everybody's mom, you know. Yeah, I see that a lot, yeah, and that's dad, so they don't want to, and it's tough, man. They don't want to face facts of like this is what's best for you to hang with these new people, and they're like, well, I've already been through all this stuff with my mom, and it kind of <laughs> makes it worse if yeah. you make it that far along, yeah. and this is normal life. Normal is just what you're used to. I tell these people, normal is just what you're used to. It doesn't make it good or bad. It's just what you're used to. So what your normal is, is different for people. What yeah. my normal is, is different than your normal. It's different than someone on the east side of Austin or on Fifth Ward in Houston Oof. or in South Dallas So or in High Park or River <laughs> Oaks or on Westlake. So your normal is just what you're used to. That's it. This is no. definitely different from my life, uh, High oh. Park. Um, <clears throat> okay, so talk about this best interest thing? Because there had to have been some laws or there had to be some cases. Yeah, so there's a Holly factors. Holly is a Supreme Court case that's probably at least 30 years old that basically lists out a non-exhaustive list of what parameters go into determining what's in the best interest. Like, can the kid articulate, you know, what's going on with the education? It's a whole bunch of things, man. So I'm not gonna go through one. Holly looks like they have about nine yeah, but, factors, but one of them is like a catch-all. Yeah. It's just like, look, yeah. parents dropping the ball. Yeah. Um, let me give some examples so people can kind of put some context to this. It looks like the first one is older children who want to stay with a specific parent. So, like, you get to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one, this is probably one that people will be able to kind of wrap their head around an emotional or physical danger of the child now and in the future is not present in this current situation. So currently there's no reason to terminate. You might have like this gut feeling as the judge, like, Oh man, this is going to mess up again. This is a, this is our second row. You know, we we don't want to do a third one, but you know, that's, that's oftentimes one. Yep. Yeah. So that seems like the judge is like, Oh, I know where this is going, but currently I don't have the ability and the stuff to, this ain't minority report, bro. I can't Mm -hmm. tell the future. So exactly. And then they just decide, all right, well, it's the best interest to stay at home right now. And I'm assuming that if you read some of these family law like transcripts, the judge is saying shit like that. Like, hey, right now it's under the best interest of the kid to stay at home because I would like to terminate these people, but yeah. I can't. Yeah, I've had situations where kids are in foster care in, outside of Houston and they, they hitchhack their way to get back to Central Texas and they're 12 and 14 years old. Just because, to get back to mom and dad. Correct. You know, I've had situations where kids are on foster care in San Antonio and uh, the parents are in Central Texas and they are breaking things, fight, getting their fires, doing all types of stuff to uh, get out of that foster care. Um, so it really depends on what's going on with the kid. A lot of this, a lot of this is not just what the parents are doing, it's what the kid is doing or not doing. So let me read this hypothetical that's applied in Holly because right now we're talking about people that are messing stuff up and this seems a little bit different. 
in a pending divorce case, a wife and mother is a registered nurse working from nine to six. The husband and father is a peace officer working the same shift in the city. Neither parents have ever engaged in a harmful or illegal activity, nor do they do drugs. A two-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl signed affidavit stating that they want to stay with the mom, while the 16-year-old boy says he's trying to go with dad. And then the court agrees to interview both teens and ask them what's up. Um, then that's where they start considering all of these factors, right? That's the one we talked about. Oregon. That goes into it. That's, and so when they, when uh, in CPS war, you can interview with the, the kids 12 and older in Texas can interview with the judge. They have to if, if you file the correct motion. Um, but typically what judges do is my experience is that they listen to the evidence, the hearing, and then they speak with the kid to figure out, you know, what's true, what's not true, what are your thoughts, what are your feelings, what are the things you like or dislike. So that's what how that usually goes with kids who are older. And it's funny, I never even thought about this. This is actually applied to my life. So I grew up in a divorced household. Uh, my mom raised me. My mom alone with some local people decided they were going to raise me because I was a piece of shit. Uh, I was a handful. <laughs> so you know that it takes a tribe or whatever. Yeah. But the reason I say this applies to my life was that I was a little kid. I think I was uh, maybe five, maybe six, something like that. But my older sister was old enough to fall under this holly and the judge interviewed her. I remember the judge interviewing her and she said she wanted to stay with my mom and the judge was like, bet you both are staying with mom. And I didn't get to say so, <laughs> but I was like, okay, we're staying with mom. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So she got to pick, which is kind of cool just to see it all go full circle, not knowing that this is how it went down. Mm -hmm. This is exactly how it went down. That, and, and just a segue, like for regular child custody cases, when kids are 15, 16, 17, barring the, the, parent, the other parent being a junkie or a, criminal the judge is gonna give the kid what they want man so yeah it was just a normal divorce it mm -hmm. wasn't like we were in a cps mix yeah. or anything yeah. um but they were like yeah you're gonna stay with mom dad does visitation or whatever mm -hmm. not that he did it but mm -hmm. that side changes i'm just throwing out there <laughs> 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 all right so we know now what it works right you do something to get on the radar of cps and then you run the gauntlet if it's not something crazy they got an ex parte thing where they tell you you have to jump through all the hoops. And then finally, you get to that termination if you're not doing the right stuff. Okay. Let's go all the way back to the beginning when I told you let's split some stuff up real quick. All right. uh, dad's in the mix now. Mm -hmm. It's mom and dad, same situation. Mom's a junkie. Dad's still pretty cool. He's like, I'm working. I didn't know this was happening. Mm -hmm. Can you terminate mom and not dad? Can you give dad the kids instead of them going to foster? How does that all work? So to answer your first question, no. In Texas, you got to terminate both parents. Uh, there's no one person, one parent termination. I know in other places like Arkansas, for instance, they can do that if you hit certain parameters. We don't do that here in Texas. For the second thing, if the father says in Oklahoma, they got parents split up. He lives in Oklahoma, sees his kids, you know, on the, you know first, the first weekend of the month and summer and Christmas and Thanksgiving. He has no idea mom's a junkie. He's called what's going to be called a non-defending parent, which allows them, CPS, to say, you know what? If you take these kids on, with this kid on, we're gonna get out your way, because you had nothing, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, okay, hold up, because that gets real complicated, even though it sounds easy. Let's say those situation, mom and dad are married, or they're not married, and they do a sabser here in Texas. You know, basically laying out all of their rights as yeah. parents. Yeah. Um, the kid goes with me these days. The kid yeah. goes with me that days. Long story short, mom's a custodial parent, dad's a not custodial parent, but he's. Parent, he's active in the kid's life. He just doesn't know mom's a junkie. So basically, CPS is just gonna flip that script. Like, yeah. hey, dad, you're in charge now. 
Yeah, unless unless a mom wants to fight, fight it. So there's an order in effect. When you have this SAPS or there's an order that's being followed. So until you change an order, the order is effective, right? So, so we glossed over that. For everybody a SAPS are here in Texas is basically just a contract between parents to say how they're going to raise their kids. Uh, I would say it's an order. Uh, it's an order that's signed by a judge that lays out the rules of how the, the duties, responsibilities, and obligations of all of the, par- the parents or non-parents involved in the SAPS. Yeah, so just basically who's in charge in each situation, when they get the kids, who correct. has custody at what time. Correct, correct. So, who gets child support, yeah. you know, that stuff, yeah. All the rules on how y'all are going to raise your kids. Yeah. But you're saying when CPS gets involved and only one parent is the fuck-up, they can flip that and just be like, look, Dad's now in charge. So yes and no. So they can do one of two ways. They can say, Mom, if you fight us on this, we'll just do a removal and go through the CPS process. And then if you don't get it together, then we'll, we'll uh, flip it anyway. Or Mom, don't fight this. Don't do anything and let Dad have kiddo. Or say, Dad, hire a civil attorney and do a custody switch based off the allegations we have here and we'll just go away. Okay. So let's say they say, Mom, just don't fight us and let Dad take the kid. Mm-hmm. What happens with all the other stuff? Does she now have to start paying child support? Does she get the same visitation that no. he did? So that until you until there's an order that changes the order, the order is still effective. So if the father, say for instance, you're not offending, they give you the kid, you don't live around her, you live in Oklahoma, she lives in Austin, you're still going to be paying child support. It's on you to then file something to change the order to formalize what's actually going on. Okay, so that's a little confusing because it seems like part of that SABSER, part of that order is still in effect, but the other part isn't. Yeah. So he's got the kid, but yet he still has to pay child support. So you got to get the paperwork correct, man. It's just getting the paperwork correct. So you got to have the paperwork reflect what the reality is. Well, okay, so do they just do like an amendment to the physical portion of where that kid goes? Like I'm trying to figure out how they enforce that. So what they would do is the parent, the non-offending parent, dad in the situation, will file a lawsuit to say, I want to flip custody like a regular lawsuit. When CPS sees that they've taken that step, then CPS is going to get out the way because it's been taken care of. Okay, so what if dad doesn't do that and CPS is the one that's moving the kid? So, for instance, dad didn't have the money to pay an attorney or he's not, so, so he can't figure out how to file a pro se or represent himself, then CPS will probably do something because mom is mom is still legally mom until otherwise. And then they're going to, they'll have an order that CPS drafts to order. So in CPS court, CPS will draft the order, the judge will sign the order, and the parents get copies of the order. So CPS will do all that basically on behalf of the non-defending parent if the offending parent doesn't get their shit together. But they don't get into the weeds, right? They're just like, look, all we're doing is moving the kid. If you want any of the other stuff fixed, you guys got to do that. Oftentimes that happens, yeah. But doesn't that, sometimes it can be a final, sometimes it can be a temporary order. So a final order is exactly what it sounds like it's done. A temporary order is like, okay, move on down the road. There's an order in place. Now, Dad, if you want to fight a chest custody case with your mom or mom, that's between you and her. CPS is no longer involved with this case. Okay. So as long as the kid's safe, meaning living with dad, the non-offending parent now. Being protective, being the protective parent is what they term. The term of order. Being the protective parent is what they call it. So also it could fall under the offending parent too, right? Let's say dad just takes the kid because CPS gave it to him Mm -hmm. and he never files anything else. Mm -hmm. That mom's going to have to go try to seek her visitation rights, right? Correct. Or typically when the situation, when dad, when CPS says keep the kid away from mom, they mean like at all times, unless it's like supervised or something like that because in the event that kiddo goes back to the offending parent and CPS finds out about it, they're going to start a new CPS investigation and they're going to go through the full CPS 
Hubello. And probably on both of them because dad wasn't listening either. Because now you're no longer being protected because one of the things about being protective is that you recognize when someone in your life is not being protective for your kids. Okay. So if you are doing what you need to do, but you like being around a junkie and junkie likes doing things, that's a problem. Yeah, we see a lot of that actually in uh, the criminal world. It's like only half the pair is a yeah, and the other one's like, I love them, and turn a blind eye. Yeah, correct. That's a problem. That's that. That's neglect. Yeah, that's then neglect. you end up in a criminal case. That's neglect. All right, so we've got dad now taking care of the kid. CPS is like, cool. We'll just keep him away from mom. Mom can figure out, you know, how to fix her life and get them back on track. <clears throat> that was all Texas, right? There's just like Texas is in the mix, taking your kid or shifting kid from one parent to the other parent. I think what most people end up with is PVP, right? Parent versus parent. Like, I do realize... Oh, I'm thinking like video games. That's right. That's why I put it in there, bro. <laughs> PVP, dog. First person shooter. I got to fight this parent. <laughs> um, but it's dad versus mom now, and dad is realizing like, yo, mom's terrible. Or mom's realizing like, yo, dad cannot keep his fucking hands off me, mm-hmm. and he's going to turn to the kids eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get this dude out of our lives. Mm-hmm. How's that go down? So you can do, you don't have to terminate this a CPS. You can do a termination in the real world outside CPS. It's really hard to do it, though. I'll be lying. Barring, you know, him being a criminal in prison for a number of years and there and there being someone in there to step up because once you terminate, they have one parent legally. So when, you're term, when your parents get, when your rights get terminated as a parent, you are a legal stranger to your kid forever. There's no undos or no take backs. It's forever. So I've had situations where, Parents get terminated three years down the road. Things have changed. They have a family. They've done well. Can I do something? No, there's nothing to be done. All right, well, let's start on just, you know, mom versus dad. Dad's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. What kind of steps can mom do? Because I think there was like a tier system yeah, here, right? Yeah, yeah. Like so there's, there's levels to this. So shit. you could, you follow a regular SAPS or child custody case and, and have restrictions on that, whether it be limited visitation or no visitation. You can even go a step below that, which is no designation. So no designation means exactly what it sounds. This parent is just a parent in terms of we know who the parent is to this child, but they don't get access to school records, extracurricular activities, medical appointments, doctor's appointments, whatever you have going on. They have no access to any of that or no visitation either or, or communication because of something they've done that was pretty egregious. So SABSERS, right, this, this order, this agreement between the parent, the parents and the child that can be agreed to, right? Yeah. Mom and dad can sit down and be like, look, Correct. this is what the rules are. Correct. If not, it's contested. Correct. Is it clear and convincing no. contested? No. Okay. Only clear and convincing is in the CPS world. Okay. Uh, if you're trying, to, well, if you're trying to terminate, regardless if it's CPS or not, it's clear and convincing. But beyond that, it's just uh, preponderance of the evidence, best interest of a child. All right. So only when you're trying to straight up cut a person out of somebody's Legal, life. Legal, make clear? them a stranger forever. It's clear and convincing. Correct. Any other situation is best interest. Best, but preponderance. Preponderance of the evidence. Okay. So mom and dad do an agreement. They ride off to the sunset, follow the agreement. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad can't come to an agreement. They got to get some lawyers involved. Mm-hmm. You go in in front of the judge and fight it out. And that's by preponderance of the evidence. Or the judge can just 
make his own recommendations on what's best for this kid? Well, the ruling from the judge is his, his or her recommendations. So a ruling, is, a ruling is what the judge rules is going to happen in your particular case. So whether it be in CPS or in regular child custody case or in divorce, the ruling of the court is the ruling of the court. And I'm assuming this goes down like most civil cases where they send you to a mediator, right? And like, you know, hash this out before you have to get in front of a judge. Oftentimes, there's a requirement for parties to do mediation before they set it for a final contested hearing, correct? And then at a contested hearing, can the judge just like start divvying out days and a dollar yep. amounts and... So there's no, it's, well, yes and no, because there's obviously statutes in the family code about how child support works and what the presumptions are. And uh, But if you can't come to an agreement, that judge can stay within the parameters of the law, but just be like, this is it. Y'all can figure it out. Correct. All right. Correct. And that's still both parents involved, just different levels of involvement. Correct. Now, let's say mom wants to lower it, you said, from the SABSER to what was the second one? So... I mentioned no designation, so yeah. that's not terminating parents' rights, but they can't do anything with the kids besides potentially pay child support. They don't get to go to school. They don't get to participate in anything. Uh, that's very rarely happens. It's usually in situations where a dad or a mom is a piece of shit, and, and, or they want to really just opt out. So let's say, like, um, mom and dad are trying to do the Sabster thing, and dad just refuses to take part. And then mom just puts everything in her benefit into that, takes in front of the judge and be like, look, this dude's not even showing up here. He has to, it has to be beyond that. It has to be him like beating on the kids or has, he's a sex offender and in prison. It has to be, just him being a deadbeat is not going to get you to a no designation. There has to be something plus that. So even if you take it to. And typically, I mean, I say that because some judges might be different. <laughs> the judges I've been in front, you got to have no designation. He had, the guy's got to be wilding. Be so different. if I show up to a final hearing, and dad doesn't show up mm -hmm. who's putting his two cents in for him like no he can't pay that no he so, needs some days so no. like so sui sponte so judges can ask questions of the litigants in the family and the judge can do that in most cases but when it's a family law case and they're there they're going to be the fact finder they can elicit questions responses from the, the parents so you just get to, you might say your story, but he's like, okay, well, I'm going to ask you some questions about your story. Give me this. Give me that. Give me this. So when's the last time he's been involved with the kids? When's the last time he spoke to him? Where is he living at? Where is she living at? Um, so they're giving him the benefit even though he's not there. They're going to give him some benefit. Because you got to still follow the law, right? Yeah. There's presumptions in the state of Texas that parents are supposed to be joint managing conservators, which is a presumption. So for you to change that to be a possessory conservator, which is a little bit less, or to have no designation, it's incumbent on the movement party, the party who's seeking something, to show why that should be not be the case. Okay, so I think that might help the listeners kind of figure out what we're talking about, because that's the first time you've mentioned that. What are the levels of parental so, rights, and what are they called, and what do they mean? So in Texas, we do things, we don't do guardianship. A lot of people say that. I'm sure, I think they do that in California. We call it conservatorship here in Texas. So there's a presumption in the state of Texas that both parents are joint managing conservators. And is that what it sounds like? They jointly decide together? Independently. They have all the same independent rights to exercise. So any parent can take the kids to the doctor's appointment or set a doctor's appointment or dentist's appointment or take them to extracurricular activities or sign them up for extracurricular activities. Okay, so well, jointly is a little kind of a misnomer, right? Yes. It's just saying independently you guys are going to do what's best for the kid. Yes. So jointly is like this is what's best, but you guys can each do it on your own. Exactly. The only caveat is that one parent is going to be the, have the, the right to designate where the child lives. It's what we call here. The right to designate where the kids or child lives, and typically that means they're going to live with me. Yeah. But that even that's not going to be true sometimes, but that's the only difference between those two parents. When you're joint managed conservator, one parent is going to have the, the exclusive right to designate where the children live, and one isn't. 
But Besides that, they're going to be exactly the same. Even that, that's nuanced too, right? Because while you get to choose where they live, you got to stay close to that other parent sometimes. Uh, yes and no. Sometimes, the, right? Unless there's, some, there's a typically there's a presumption as well. You ask a good question. There's a presumption about geographical restriction. The geographical restriction typically in Texas is going to be what's called the county in which the lawsuit's filed and the contiguous, which means the counties that border are adjacent to the county you fight. So Travis County above us is Williams and below us is Hayes. The right of us, east of us is Bastrop and to the west is, I don't even know. All those counties are- I don't know, Comal, one of those? One of those counties. Anyway, those counties are where typically you'll be able to move to without having to get permission or approval from a court or a consent from the parent. Because basically, at a certain point, distance is going to start Correct. breaking up what I can do Correct. with my independent best interest of the kid. Correct. Correct. Uh, Correct. So that's the top one. That's the presumption that we're both supposed to be doing what's right for the kiddo. Mm -hmm. What's the one below that? Possessory conservator, which basically means that you still have independent rights, but they're not. Uh, uh, they don't have all the same independent rights um, that you have if you were a uh, joint managed conservator. So you might not be able to have the kid go to see a psychiatric evaluation without having consent from the other parent or the other parent doesn't have to consult with you before they do something like that, or things like that. So basically, you've done an okay job as being a parent, so you can do one, two, and three, but the other parent's doing a better job, so they're in charge of more important shit. They're in charge of like their <laughs> mental health, yeah. doctor's appointments, things what like school that. they're gonna go to, what stuff they're gonna and do. And typically that happens when uh, one parent's involved but not all the way involved, or they mistakenly agree to do that, not realizing the legal significance of doing that. Uh, because there's a, a Supreme Court case that came out about the last four years, which basically means that there's a presumption that um, if you have joint man conservative, you should have certain type of rights and visitation access. If you don't have that, then you're not, it's fair, whatever happens can happen. Uh, so that's why those designations are very important when it comes to possession access of a kid, because it changes. The okay. presumptions go away. So presumption, we're doing a good job. Uh, second, one of y'all doing a better job than the other one, so you're getting a little less rights. And then is the last one just that non-designation you're talking mm -hmm. about? And what does that really mean? So, um, so child support orders, OAG orders, SAPs or divorce orders, there's about, at minimum, 15, 16 pages laying out individually each right, duty, and responsibility and obligation for each parent along with what that means exactly who does what, who can't do what, how they're supposed to do in terms of visitation, access, communication, all that. When you have no designation, that 18-page document becomes a four-page document because all those duties and responsibilities and everything is just gone. Dad, 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 <laughs> exactly. dad, dad, dad. It and says, it literally money, says, mom. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Well, That's the it. other way around, most of the time if you hear these guys complain, it's like, mom, 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 all I got to do is pay the bills, apparently. Yeah, so that's that's a distinction. There's no duties, obligations, responsibilities other than you have to pay child support potentially. But you said to usually if you're a deadbeat, you fall in the second category. Correct. Even if you don't show, the judge Correct. is going to do that that deference to what the law states. Correct. So what were the reasons you end up as just a bank account? Bro, I've I've been doing it for I, I may not be in practice super long, but I've done hundreds of cases. I've only had like three or four. Can you give some examples of what this person uh, did? To one end situation. Up as a, he was on, uh, he just paroled from uh, aggravated assault with a, sex, of a child or some sex, it was a, some sex offense crime that he went to prison for, got out, he was on parole for, and he was still doing stupid stuff, and mom didn't want him to have access to the kids. Okay, so there was some aggravating circumstances. Yeah, there. yeah, 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 there was some wild stuff, or there was a situation where he beat the hell out of mom severely, and he, one time I think when the kid was trying to stop dad from being on mom, he beat on kid. 
and he was arrested for that and was convicted of that and went to prison for that and it was a short stay or, or he got and then because of that they didn't know designation something like that and that's, that's a perfect, wild things yeah. perfect example bro because people are probably thinking about like man just fucking let that dude go like cancel his rights but you said the state doesn't want to do that even though he is a piece of shit that's beating up mom beating up kid mm-hmm. uh, he's a sexual predator because or, things might change for him right people can change or circumstances change so for instance people may not change if he's a uh, sex offender, he's going to be there for the rest of his life because you're registered for that. But what happens if he has a car crash and dies and now there's a settlement for $250,000? Or what happens if he gets SSI and you can get SSI from child to get that for the kid? You know, things happen. So, you can win the lottery. And if he wins the lottery, you can you can get some money from her. So that's why they don't, they're leery of doing that because parents are parents. Step parents can go away. Okay, so parents are parents, <laughs> yeah. um, more not in the way we see like your mom and dad are supposed to love you, but uh, deadbeat mom, deadbeat dad can still be financially beneficial to the child. Correct. Let's say they get killed or something. Correct. That's the one good thing they did for their kid was they died Correct. in a car crash and now there's millions of dollars. I'm going to give you a story. But so I have a, oftentimes when parents are trying to resolve cases, so you know what? I won't make you pay child support. Just give me the custodianship of the kids. I'm, I'll be the primary of the kids and I won't ask for child support. And the judge has asked this very good question. Ma'am, sir, if I were to give you extra 500 bucks a month, would you take it? Yes. So why are you, why are you, why are you not getting it from this person? If your job was offering you 500 bucks, why would you not take it? It's free money, right? Why would you not take it? Well, it's because it's coming from that person. Does that make any sense? So sometimes they be they might be willing to do that because why not get child support? Because you need a you have an obligation to support your kids. Yeah, that extra so. five hundred bucks can help exactly. that kid. Exactly. But what I was getting at was you could be a shitty parent your whole life and then die mm-hmm. or hit the lottery mm-hmm. and then end up having to pay all that back child support yep. and now your kid is set. Yeah. Just because they have a legal relationship to you. Yeah, I'm going to give you an example. I had a case where a a father, he was an older gentleman, he got SSI. And when you apply for SSI, it's a process between when you apply and when you receive it. It takes several months or sometimes even years. But if you're approved, it gets retro from the day that you applied. Okay. So he got a lump sum of $65,000 for SSI, but he only really got 45. He only got 15 because the government seized it for back child support for 12 years. Okay, so, so now this kid got to this money all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, now what the mama does with the money in that situation, I, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, man, I was, but it was forty forty eight thousand dollars she got. Okay, in child support in the lump sum. Dang. So I mean, I guess <laughs> so, yeah, man. That's why you don't want to terminate. Correct. Right <laughs> all right, yeah. so there's all this like single mom shit on the internet right dad, dad just wants to up and dip mm-hmm. uh can he just give up his rights we already talked about like the court usually doesn't want to let you go because what if you die yeah exactly. and you leave your kid money um so what happens when one parent whether it's mom or dad are just like i don't want nothing to do with this kid man it goes back to the best interest like what what's what's something needs to happen like well this parent's gonna get terminated but then this other person wants to adopt that's the way that typically works Okay, so in this one, you need a replacement mom, a replacement dad mm-hmm. to fill that void. Yeah, almost, almost certainly. I wouldn't say all every for, for sure, for sure, but any time I've ever seen it be successful, yeah. Because then if bio mom dies, then what who happens? cares? Yeah. Because you got stepmom. Yeah. But in the other one, bio mom dies, and now you're just there getting nothing because legally you're not related to this person. She's a stranger now. Well, to be clear, when you terminate your rights, the so one thing. 
that stays there is that the estate of the decedent, the non-custodial, the parent who's terminate, the, their descendants, their heirs, their children can still inherit from them. So if that's it, for instance, they actually were to acquire something and then die, then that child can still benefit from that even though they've been the parents been terminated. That's the one. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I'm kind of confused then. So then why don't they want to terminate rights? Oh, so death. Death. Death when the parent dies. Yes. Uh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So I put, I jumped the gun. Yeah, I put two parent, and two together. The parent dies. So that motherfucker dies and he has his rights terminated. Who cares? You're going to get that money. Uh -huh. But if he's still alive and he wins the lottery, you can't go get it if he's been terminated. Uh, No. That's no. what I'm saying. Okay, Correct. so no. I put okay. two and two together no. that yeah. I shouldn't have, right? Scenario one, you terminate the rights. Mom goes, buys a scratch off. She hits $1 billion. And now you're just like, yo, let me get a piece of that billion. And they're like, nah, you're not stranger. my mom anymore. I'm a legal stranger to you now. Okay. But you terminate, they die. You could still go cash some of that money. In. Yeah. But say for instance, they die in a car crash and the 18 wheeler kills them and there's an estate worth and they, they get $500,000. The, the estate of that, of the decedent, i.e. the kids can get something from that. All right, so just forget the last 10 minutes when I was lumping all that shit together. It's only if they get a windfall while they're alive that the kid loses out. Correct. And the law now sees it as, well, you're not really losing out because bio mom or bio dad's gone, but stepmom and stepdad's going to fill that void. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I've had situations where grandparents adopt their grandkids because mom or dad are not doing what they need to do, which that oftentimes happens too. Besides, like spouse, like a, you, you have a new a stepdad or stepmom who wants to be, you know, adoptive parent. It's when single mom or single dad can't get their shit together, and they're a, the person who had this baby mom or baby dad can't get their shit together. But the parents, grandparents, want to step in and step into that role. That's another way that that I've seen that several, several, several times. That seems weird to me because like grandma and grandpa raised mom and dad that are being trash. And so now you're just gonna take no, this kid and put it with. Personal responsibility, man. You can raise. I'm. I. You can be great parents, and your kids just not follow. They want people make their own decisions, man. People make their own decisions. Sometimes it's because they don't. They weren't led right, but sometimes because they chose wrong. You tell that to my clients, bro. <laughs> you know. So, all right. Um, I think that's it. If you got anything else you want to throw up on the topic, uh, but were we done here? Or I think so. Unless you got something else you want to get into. Uh, I just think that they. Um, Back to what we mentioned about the uh, jury trials versus... Uh, yes, let's get uh, back into that. So, you're in that final termination state, and the state is trying to take away your kids. Mm -hmm. You opt to go in front of the judge. How's that play out? So, that's a default position. So, you, I don't know how much you have delved into civil stuff. So, you have to make a jury demand when you do a civil lawsuit. There's a default position. If you don't make a jury demand, is that the judge, the fact finder, will be a judge to make the decision. All right, so CPS brings this case on me. We hit that last date. I don't do anything. We're going in front of the judge. Yeah. All right, so how does that play out? What's that like? It Depending on what evidence they have, if it's a lot, it takes a very little. If it's not a lot, they're going to be arguing and arguing and arguing to try and prove up why you should be terminated. And then this judge, on their own, she just gets to make that decision. He Correct. just gets to make that decision. Correct. Okay. And then... CPS throws this case on me. I do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm like, I want a jury trial. Mm -hmm. How does that work? So there was a Supreme Court case that happened about six, five, six years ago that basically says that typically CPS does not like doing jury trials because everyone gets everyone gets scared when you got to really jump and get into the fight. So they always try and find ways not to do CPS trials because they take time, and you can't be as informed as they normally are because the same judge sees the same, same has the same CPS investigator and. 
it makes a difference. So you have to declare, do you want to have a jury trial, demand a jury trial early enough to where the judge has, has to give it to you? Because if not, it's been my experience, I'm not going to give it to you. All right, so I do everything. As soon as the thing hits my desk, I'm like, jury trial. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that like? Does it like regular voir dire? Yep. You go it's through. A simple, it's, a simple, it's like a straight up case, straight up jury trial. And then you send a jury charge, basically mm-hmm. a piece of paper that says, did we reach this burden for one? Did mm-hmm. we reach this burden for two? Did we reach this burden for three? So remember, we talked earlier about those statutory grounds. So mm-hmm. depending on what allegations or evidence that supports having those statutory grounds included, you would include uh, statutory ground A or B or D or F or S. And then obviously the best interest is its own thing that you still need to have, which is going to be for any case. So, so. page one, statutory, one through S. Did we make these? Mm-hmm. Page two. Is it in the best interest in this situation, this situation, this situation, this situation? And then the jury, is it six or 12? 12. So we got district court style stuff, 12. Mm-hmm. And they all 12 need to decide. No, no check, it's, check, it's check. not being unanimous. It just has to be 10. Just has to hit 10. Okay, so 10 out of the 12 have to check both of those, statutory mm-hmm. and best interest. And then that's the deciding factor. Yep. And they sign off, and whatever it is in that jury charge says that's what the rest of your life is going to be like in the future now. Yep. All right. So, as an experienced attorney, I just did a snippet on this. Would you recommend doing a jury or doing a judge, and why? It depends on your jury. It depends on who your judge is and who your prosecutor is, to be honest with you. So, it's pretty, it's very fact specific. So, um, some judges are inclined to be very, very pro. I want my, these kids to go back to their parents unless these parents are demonstrate they will not do what they need to do. And some judges are terminators, like, oh, like Schwarzenegger. If I see you, <laughs> you in my court, you are obviously a piece of shit. You don't need to have your kid anymore. I'm going to try and terminate. So, obviously, for the latter, you would like to have the jury decide if CPS, you know, CPS thinks you don't deserve your kid back. So, if CPS thinks you deserve your kid back, you should be fine with any judge. Is when CPS doesn't think you deserve your kid back is where what type of judge you have is important. Okay, so I'm a little confused. If we're in this final termination hearing and mm-hmm. CPS thinks I want my kid back, mm-hmm. why are we doing it? Is they just running the... No, if, 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 they, if the CPS thinks you get you... Sometimes they contest it or sometimes they have issues that they can't agree to do something, but they're not going to fight. You know, so sometimes CPS has policies and procedures and guidelines they have to follow. And if you don't fit into certain criteria for those policy procedures, they can't agree to it, but they're not going to fight you on it. So you have a hearing, but there's not really, it's just, a, it's just saying we don't have a, we don't, we're unopposed. We do not oppose this happening, but we cannot agree to it happening because they don't follow a certain thing. So now they're just leaving it into the decision of the court Correct. to like sign this order. Yeah. You guys so, for, so for instance, for parents who want, uh, when kids are in a home, foster care, they have to be approved or they have to have a what's called a home study done on people who are not foster care parents. So if a home study is approved, that, that means that the CPS guidelines and regulations think that it's permissible for a child to live there. But sometimes I might say decline or reject it. And it might be rejected because the mother was convicted of ABI, that family violence 12 years ago or got DWI seven months ago or something that's not really that big of a deal, but because that thing's happened, or they had CPS 20 years ago when they were 19 and now they're 52. So just so everybody's understanding, most of the people that CPS deals with have already 
on a list of foster people that are um, approved. You're talking more like, I'm going to go stay with family or close friends. So I'm, we have to go and do an investigation to make sure you're a safe place. Yeah, so I, I'm, I should actually the presumption is trying to do that. Foster care is, a, is if things don't work out. So when your kid gets removed, CPS says, hey, give me a list of people who you think are going to be good enough that we think are going to be good enough to take care of your kids while you're in CPS world. It might be a sister, it might be an auntie, it might be a Grammy, it might be the woman across the street. And they have to do an investigation as to whether or not they're willing to do it and are they able to do it. And it's a safe place for them to do it there. So, so, and then if they can't make that list or they don't have that list, then they go to the foster people that are already on CPS list. And so what you're talking about is that all the homies in the family might have one or two dings that CPS is like, okay, I mean, legally I can't say I want to send these kids here, but realistically I don't care. Correct. And so they go in front of the judge kind of like, we don't really have a dog in the fight. You just pick these people and we'll all be on the same page. Correct. And for that, that's just in front of a judge. You don't get a jury for that. That's not necessarily correct. Okay. It's only when the stakes are, we terminate your rights when you have a jury trial. Okay. So we went back in time to that first heading of like, hey, we're going to put your kids somewhere. Yeah. Um, That's actually good. We skipped a spot. But now you said... Judge depends on if he's Arnold or he's um, he's a terminator or he's a lo- or he's a forgiver. Yeah, he's a forgiver or she just wants to see those families get back together and mm-hmm. make people get a second chance. Mm-hmm. Juries, though, unpredictable. Well, that's what I'm saying. So always, you're just gonna roll the dice if you have a terminator with the jury. Is that your thought process on that? Yeah. So, oftentimes, whether it be in criminal, civil family law cases, if one party knows that the judge is going to do a certain, with a certain fact pattern, they're going to do an X thing, they have no incentive to do it because I know I'm going to get from the judge. So why do I need to talk to you? Right? So if CPS knows what this, how this judge is that they're going to terminate and, and we've recognized that we think that's BS, they're going to have, they're going to talk with the judge because they know what's going to happen. So that's when you got to switch things up. Okay. So CPS knows who's going to come through if they want to get that kid taken away. Yeah. If not, then both of y'all are going to roll the dice on a jury. Correct. Do you have anything off the top of your head that you would use to vet a jury, like a potential juror? Because we're talking clear and convincing, right? Shock the conscience of lame-ass people that don't have a lot of experience. And that's Sometimes always people do, man. Well, that's always my concern, right? My concern is it, it's the same for the criminal world, right? I just did the snippet on this shit. That lady murdered that other lady, dipped out to Costa Rica, did a whole... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a whole... You want to hear something crazy, bro? So I was in Austin when that jury trial was going on, so I was going through security and stuff. I was like, hey, yo, there's like 15 cameras. What is going <laughs> on? Because people get sentenced to life, get off, and no one hears anything about people capital murder cases. No, I was like, why is there 15 cameras in here? And I was like, oh, that's why. It's that lady. <laughs> That's yeah, and so here, she murked this lady and dipped wow. out, changed her whole face, was hiding for like six months. Yeah. They caught her. They extradited her back. She, she tried to escape in jail, bro. She tried to run at a doctor's appointment, bro. The video was crazy. <laughs> she, I was like, yo, she's a brother. She's a track star. <laughs> she gave that cop the elbow and tried to bro, slip out. Like, and then a wild story. That's everything about that's crazy. The reason I picked it, though, is because she went in front of a jury, right? Like, yeah. uh, most people don't resonate with murdering somebody's girlfriend or side piece or whatever she yeah. thought it was and then not feeling bad at all no. dipping was, out changing your life yes. scoring <laughs> <laughs> cutting up <laughs> cutting up your face yeah. that, that's the that's crazy that is legit like a movie 
plot, dude. That's like some smoking yeah. aces. Yeah, that was, I, that was, the game plan was to do what she did. Yeah, she had that all lined up, right? It worked for several weeks. I think she was gone for like six months, bro. I think she was gone for a bit, bro. Yeah, um, she was gone for a bit. But the thing is, like, jury hears that and they're just like, "Yo, this chick needs to go away." So <laughs> me and my boss have been talking about this a lot lately. He, I, I think, I think we I, we both agree on this. Like, for crazy, wild, wild things, it's probably not just best for a jury to hear it because they're not used to being around that. For the judges who do CPS cases or for criminal cases, they've seen it because they've done it. So they're they're a little bit more immune to it. They can process between what's eight bad to what's being a 25 bad. You know? So you say that, right? But judges are just people. And this was the confliction. I was having a one-sided argument by myself on the last snippet mm-hmm. because some judges are just like, God damn it, dude. Last week, this crazy bitch murdered this lady. This week, this crazy bitch murdered this other lady. This crazy dude murdered this other person. Like, yo, people just suck. Everybody's getting life. Sometimes. Some, like, some judges are like that, man. You've been on the bench 20 years, bro, and every two weeks you got somebody murdering somebody else, or in this world. I don't, I don't know about that, man. Sometimes people change one way or the other. Um, sometimes people start off being a hard ass and they and they realize that the, being a hard ass is not the most productive. And some people start off being soft and they see too much and they become jaded. So each person's jurist jury journey is a little bit different. So I've had situations from talking to people, people who were on the bench who were hard asses, but now towards the end, they're not, and people who were a little bit more lenient, more forgiving, more second chance, third chances, who are, if I see you, I'm going to touch you. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I'm up on this bench. You didn't catch these hands. I wish I could give you more than 20, but I only I can give you 20 type yeah. stuff. So. And that, for me, that would be my fear in family law, right? Because at a certain well, point, all the judges are looking at the parents like, yo, fuck you, I don't care about you. Well, that's These why, kids, though. So initially, this conversation, you talked about having a rapport with the court and the judges. That's where that becomes important. So if you're in the county, the, I do family law cases primarily in three counties. Those, all, I know those judges backwards and forwards. So I've done enough fact patterns where I've been talking to enough colleagues in the area that I know with a certain fact pattern, I can anticipate, I can forecast this result happening. But sometimes I'm wrong, right? But so you're able to like, hey, I'll give you an example. I had a case a week, a couple weeks ago where uh, a client was like, hey, man, uh, I want my I want my baby mama to agree to all these things. I was like, OK, well, if she doesn't agree to all those things, the judge is not going to give you those things. So <laughs> we can try. But they, if she's not willing to agree to them, I'm telling you right now, this judge is not going to do that. So if you, you can be unreasonable in your negotiations and maybe scare her to do that. But if you go to the judge, we're not that's we're, we're going to lose that, you know, because I know how he is. But that. My client didn't want to hear that, but that's what it is, you know. Um, so it really depends on who the judge is and what what, you, what what you're trying to get and your facts, you know. And then it just seems like you go in front of a jury, though. And our best are off, man. I mean, so that's why I said, like, some judges are that's jaded just, or some judges have heard it all. But even the ones that aren't jaded, they've heard it all, right? Like this chick we're talking about. She murdered this lady, mm-hmm. dipped out, did all this craziness. Can you get one person out of the, you know, 12 to just be like... You know what? This dude did a number on Sometimes her. Sometimes you can't. He man. twisted her up. She wasn't in her right mind. Let me give you a story. So when I was a uh, when I was in law school, I was I worked for the Dallas Public Defender's Office, and my supervising attorney gave me this story about where this guy shot and killed a woman in broad daylight with a assault rifle in the middle of the street, and the only eyewitness was a Catholic priest, and he the, the defendant they got the only jury eleven one. So of course everyone wants to talk to the one. The one guy said. I wasn't there, so I can't say. 
damn, the priest was like, he did it. He yeah. pulled the trigger, yeah. and that one guy was like, nah. Yeah, yeah. So nah. you might get one of those, bro. You don't know. That's the thing. That guy had beef with the church, bro. Probably so. But anyway, they, they, they tried him again and found him guilty, clearly. But um, yeah, man, you don't know. You don't. You can have. You can have a Yahoo, bro. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you want a Yahoo, and you, and sometimes, you, obviously, most times you don't. But when you do want them, they're good for you. And I mean, that goes back to lawyer choice. Um, I talk about. We talk about this all the time. It seems like we go full circle on these damn podcasts, um, because that's Vordier. Right, like you gotta get one of them loons on if you're trying to defend, bro. or get all the pro. Everybody's got to go under the jail. People off. Bro, I'm gonna give you. So I did a jury trial last week, uh, two weeks ago now, and there was this one juror. He was like, "Sir, um, the the prosecutor was asking the question, sir, if someone's arrested, do you uh, does that mean anything? That means they're guilty. That means they're guilty." I was like, "Well." What happens? She was trying to re- rehab him because she wanted to save him because, you know, he said, lock him up at Dano, right? <laughs> yeah. She tried to rehab him. It got worse. She said, sir, what happens if they investigate and realize they have the wrong person initially? Then what happens? Lock them both up. That's what the guy said. <laughs> <laughs> lock them both up. That's what the guy said. Damn, officer. Literally, all the people like, hey, yo, this guy is wild. And then, no, you don't know, man. Some of them are really like, hey, you know what? If that was the policy, maybe these cops would be doing the right job, doing investigation. So he didn't out. make the jury. He got struck uh, for cause because he's wilding. But that was like, for instance. So we used that when we had our closing argument. Where I was like, yo, don't be like juror number 36 because, yo, that is not what this is. This should not be that. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I some of the people on that panel were like, hey, yeah, I'm not really, this guy, he's spitting facts. Bro, maybe works. if the police were on the hook, for putting the wrong person in jail, we'd have more right people in jail. That's literally what he said <laughs> to justify that, bro. What you just said is what he literally broke it down to explain that. I'm telling you, man, she some of these people. Wild. I was wild. Anyway, we got not guilty, so it worked out for us. We didn't have people like him on there, but though that dude was wild. Nah, bro. man. See, that man understands qualified immunity, and he understands <laughs> that cops need to get some skin in the game. So if you're trying to put the wrong guy in jail forever, you're going to lose some of those years yourself, boy. Yeah, man. That was crazy, man. Usually people in Vordire don't really like talking because they don't want to be there, but him, he, she asked him a pointed question. He gave her a pointed response, and that was Everyone started chuckling, but like, yo, like a like a nervous laugh. Like, yo, what is wrong with this dude? Put this man on a list. <laughs> <laughs> yo, the judge almost got rid of him right then and there when he said the second thing because she tried to rehab him. Yeah, and he went the judge up. was like, what? He was like, yo, can we get rid of him now? Like, what is going on? See, that's funny, bro. Like, I have outliers like that. Now, I'll give you two examples. We're just chopping it up about jury selections. Then I think we finished the family law, but. Mm-hmm. Um, this just recently, man, this kid, and I saw him at the corner of my eye. He's not in the splash zone. He's just out and off on the side. And I'm like, hey, if somebody shows up in their uniform, do you believe them more when they're testifying because they're wearing their uniform and their badge? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what about if a, I was like, you don't see doctors come in in their scrubs. white coats and scrubs, do you? I was like, what do you think they're trying to do? You know, keep that in mind. Like, one's a doctor, and he's not in his scrubs. But one's an officer. He got normal clothes. Yes, <clears throat> and then I got down to, like, experts. And I was like, do you, just because they're designated expert, you give them more and uh, scientists or whatever. And in the corner of my eye, I see this kid and he's hitting a vape <laughs> in the courtroom while I'm straight doing, up hitting the vape, straight bro. up hitting the vape. And I put two and two together that that was not nicotine because this man straight up raised his hand 20 minutes later. And he was like, I just had a question. And I was like, yeah, so I'm doing the question portion. What's up, man? And he was like, you know, earlier when you said uh, orthodontists. 
uh, we're like regular dentists, and then those guys would be like your orthodontists. And I was just as confused as you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is we talking about? How are we here right now? And I was like, <laughs> what? Scientist? I said scientist. And he's like, nah, man, you said orthodontist. Bruh. <laughs> and I was like, debate with you? I was like, okay, what, what about it? He's like, but you know, like sometimes you need to go get more stuff. So you need an orthodontist. And I was like, yo, man, <laughs> this guy is out here, man. And I was like, stop in the weed. Stop smoking <laughs> the weed, man. What's the, what's a what's that guy from the sports center? Stop smoking <laughs> the weed, man. Jesus. Oh Jesus man. Jesus Christ. That's so horrible. That's man. on one spectrum, bro. This dude, I don't know where he was. I don't know what he was listening to. He was high as a kite. Clearly. And that was like, he almost threw me off my game. Almost. Shit, I'm better than that. Last time, I was doing prosecutorial work up in Williams County like a million years ago. And we had this dude on several like first degree and second degree felonies. So okay. we're getting into the, A, the punishment for this is five to 99 years. Mm, or life. Or life, right? And before I could even get to the or life, this dude in the very back raises his hand. Boom. And I was like, yes, sir, you have a question. And um, I'm a little baby lawyer, right? I, don't, I, don't, I have a three-year bar card. So the person that's running the show is just like, oh, he's got a question. Right. What's your question? And he goes, 99 years? Like, that's your whole life. You, you're just, just going to die in there. And this lawyer's like, uh, do you have a problem with that? Like, do you have a, are you saying that you wouldn't be able to um, sentence somebody to that? And he was like, Nah, nah, just making clear. Everybody was like, he's going to die in there. I'm cool with that. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, it should just be that. And he just said that. Just clarifying, bro. He's going to clarify. And then defense went and it's like, who else agrees with him that it should all just be that? And you just saw hands. Boom, 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 boom. Knock him out, knock him out, knock him out. Yeah, well, the defendant sees the hands going up. Boom, 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 boom. He's like, oh, snap. Grabs his right arm. And falls over the fucking table. Dude had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it gets real. Shit gets real when it's time to frog, man. It when it's jury time, it's funny because you're in court all the time and doing hearings, adversary hearings all the time. But when it's a jury, it's and just I, different. It's just like it's my just first different. setting, so I'm just you know clicking the little slides for the attorney doing yeah, yeah, the yeah, shit, yeah, and just, I just look just over and this dude just. Grabs his arm, his left arm, not his right, mm. left arm. He might be really, he might be really, he might be not faking it. No, he did not fake it. He hit the table, fell it's off hard. the table, it's hit hard. the ground, unconscious. They had to get all the panel out. They oh. called the ambulance up. Did he die though, bro? That's what I was telling the lawyer who was running the show. I was like, bro, you could say you got a guilty, you've gotten life, and you executed a dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't die, but it was a time when when Suge was going through his stuff. And, yeah, you remember when Suge was going through his trials? Okay, I remember that. So when Suge went through his trials, he showed up. Oh, yeah, that he, did happen. He showed Shook, up. Yeah, he did. Six foot something, 300 pounds, solid muscle like a bad motherfucker. You, you and as the trial went on, he went Harvey Weinstein on it. He just shriveled up, yeah, got, when, had a heart attack. He was on the bro, walker. Shit, bro, shit gets real when you're looking at spending the rest of your life in prison. Man. So the whole time I'm telling this prosecutor, and I, I don't know shit, but I'm like, bro, he's pulling a sugar on you. He's just trying to get a different panel. He's faking this shit. Nope. That man came back with a neck brace on. His arm was in a sling. He had a walker. He lost like 60 pounds, and then he just pled guilty. <laughs> Stress, bro. Stress gives you, man. Hey, man, don't be out here doing that stupid shit. That's the biggest thing about cases, whether it be criminal or family law. 
the stress of the case getting resolved is whether it work out good or not is what is what people need man I always but sometimes you got delay 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 because it works out for you so I always tell my clients the time's our friend because uh, today somebody else is breaking the law and tomorrow somebody else is breaking the law and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and if people keep doing worse things than you we'll be at the bottom of the list mm-hmm. I always tell clients you want to do it correct you want to do it fast that's my line. You want to do, do it correct, you want to do it fast. If you want me to do it fast, you may not get what you want. If you want to do it correct, you're going to let me do it the way I want to do it. I mean, I also tell the same thing. There's a chance if we take our time. If you want to do it right now, there is no chance. You're giving that up. No, sometimes you got to so play things. Sometimes you got to purposely sell things. Like for uh, CPS cases where, say, for instance, parent, both parents have their own independent attorney, right? And at some point, the parents are adverse. They want, they, I want the kid primarily. No, I want the kid primarily. Well, if they 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 show they ask they show themselves so they can play play games and be sober for three months but hey man just let her do what she's gonna do man she's gonna f it up and when she f's it up yeah i mean you. that's a good point uh for us we're all one-sided but when you're on that pvp you know that person's gonna come through mm-hmm. well dad's gonna fuck it up he's gonna get locked up because he's got a drinking problem with dwi mm-hmm. or he's gonna yeah. beat up his new girlfriend Bro, i had a case mom. where well, they were telling this lady the reason why they say CPS court is because it was like they were, you putting their hands on each other, both sides, both mom and dad were doing it. They get kiddo the mom's parents, uh, well, mom's parents because they're protective and this and the third. But the dude's like, yo, mom's parents are letting mom drive kid everywhere. She's a drink. She got problems with alcohol, right? Why is that cool? Why I can't see my why I can't see my kid though? Fast forward, <laughs> mom got DWI with kid in the car. Ooh, under fifteen. Yeah. Oh, felony world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that messed up that situation. <laughs> he was always says, "Hey, man, let her show who she is, man." I was talking to a lawyer the other day at the jail while we were just chopping it up, waiting for our mm-hmm. clients to come out. And I was like, "Man, how do these people find each other, bro?" They like, come in pairs, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like I always come in pairs. You, you judge, did- a former judge told me that I was doing the mediation, and she was, and my client was wild, and the other client was wild, and she said, "Nathan, they always come in pairs," and she said that, and it is true. I've always wondered if, like, it's one true. just turned the other, but no. they just seem to find each other, man. It's moth to the flame. Like, I had this dude. I got his case dismissed. Boy, owes me a review. Uh, he's just sitting there chilling. They're watching Game of Thrones, he says, and they're drinking, and his old lady always gets aggressive when they're drinking. Word. And he said they had some stupid argument about Daenerys or some sort of dragon, yeah. and she put her hands on him. And then she went to smash his Xbox. They're watching it on. And he caught it and he pushed her back. Like, no, don't break my stuff. Mm-hmm. She called the cops. Mm-hmm. You my believe dude, that bullshit? My dude's black. See, but, okay. And he got dreads. Okay. And he's waiting outside for the cops. And, and the straight woman's up, what, white or something? She's Hispanic. Okay, gotcha. But he's waiting outside for the cops. And as soon as the cops come, he's like straight up, look, man, I know how this goes. You ain't even going to listen to what I have to say. And he was like, no, I'll listen to you. This is what happened. She likes to get violent when she drinks, whatever. She tried to break my Xbox. I tried to stop her, and she called you guys. While he's telling this officer that, I know, other body camera, walks inside. Straight up, the officer's like, hey, he put his hands on you? She's like, yeah. He's like, did you hit her back? Did you hit him back? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, good. Defend yourself. And I was like, how about you do an <laughs> investigation, my guy? What? You just out here taking you everybody. more slick than that. But all this cops are stupid, though. Right, man. and then. God damn. Well, no, check it out. But then, he's like. That's good. Nobody should put their hands on you. Uh, you defend yourself. You get him next time worse. But right, just, ch- just gassing her Black up. Black cops just do some stupid things, man. Gassing that's her just, up. That's crazy. And man. the one cop's outside just talking to my dude. And he's like, okay. And then what happened? Okay. Okay. And he's just being chill. 
And then they walk away to have their little powwow. He's like, what happened? And he's like, well, she says he put her hands on him. And he's like, well, he's saying this. And he's like, all right, well, we're going to take him. So, oh, you know, fucking vengeance officer walks back in the apartment. He's like, here's your. I am vengeance. <laughs> here's I your. Am justice. Here's your family violence packet. Yeah, and here's you your. Protective order? You want that magistrate yeah, protective he's order? He's like, I'm yeah, going to put a protective not. order in. Yeah. And then she goes, wait, I don't understand what that means. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to arrest him. And she loses her shit. What the fuck? You're going to arrest him? I didn't fucking call you for that. Well, you just want to be taking black dudes to jail? Black just goes nuts. Woman's crazy. Obviously. Bro, leave her alone, bro. It's, the sex is not worth I tell this bill. The sex is not worth the heartache, brother. Leave they her alone, man. Go somewhere else. take my boy to jail. Of course. And They've already made the decision. The leave. officer's like, and I, that was the first thing I was like, hey, you know what? I talked to the prosecutor. I was like, I want you to play this video. I just want you to watch it. Like, I'll sit right here. You just watch this video. I've done that before a couple times. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? And they were just like, let me reach out to the victim one more time. and then Because uh, yeah, they have to. And then we'll see what happens. They have to reach out to the victim. Shit is insane, bro. But Shit happens all the time, man. That's what I thought normally happens. Because my boy, he was legit. He was chill. He was cool. Said what happened. She was crazy. But you know, On the other it. side... Both of them be crazy most of the times, and I'm just like, bro, clients lie all the fucking time, bro. No, you can't be, I, I, trust but verify, like Reagan said. But a lot of these clients be lying. Very rarely does a woman, a man, say, you know what? I be her ass, bro. Like it is what it is. I've had one guy actually admit to like, yeah, I beat the shit out of her. Nah, like, never. I, I always get the other ones, bro. It's on tape. I got one that is on tape. This chick put up a surveillance camera, and yeah, it is and on. And, and, he's, ass the and shot, he's just bro. like, it didn't happen, bro. Okay, bro. <laughs> what happens? I like. What happens if we sign an affidavit of non-prosecution? Will that make her go away? Well, she broke her. You broke her face, so probably not. You know, it's it is what it is, bro. Like they don't need her to show that you beat the hell out of her, man. I do have a legitimate situation that I need to figure out what to do with about verifying some evidence on a video, but we get into that off air. Okay. But yeah. that's it, man. Yo, we learned about family law. We learned that Texas usually wants to keep you with your kids unless you just wild in and they're going to take them away from you. Uh, we learned clear and convincing is the last step. Before that, it's 5149. To start the process. Yeah. yeah. And then. Um, oh, I want to do one little tidbit before we go, bro. So there's a thing called a family, family safety plan that is basically a contract between the parents, parent, and CPS that if you follow it, we're not going to do anything. That's not CPS court. That's just a contract saying, if you do this, we're not going to put you in CPS court and take your kids away. So sometimes people think that's an actual CPS case. That is not a CPS case. A family safety plan is a contract you have with the uh, CPS saying that if you do the terms and condition of this, we won't try and take your kids from you. So basically running it side by side with criminal because most people understand that. It's like pre-trial intervention. Mm -hmm. Pre-trial intervention. Hey, look, follow these rules and we won't do anything to you. Correct. Cool. And they usually they usually last sixty to ninety days, um, to be valid. But yeah, that's the thing. People always think oh, I'm in CPS court. And I go, I said, well, let me see what you got. This is what I got. I said, no, nah, it's not. You can't be. You keep violating this thing. Well, I, they can't make me do it. You're right. They can't make you do it. But they're gonna just make you do it when they take your kid from you. That is the messed up part. That a lot of this, <laughs> a lot of this boils down to like I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Yeah, oh, that's that's for a whole bunch of things, man. But then you do things where. You do. You people say that, and then they put themselves where they tell you literally everything you need to do. Whether yeah. it be in prison, jail, or CPS. Okay, 
You're not going to do anything? Well, take this drug test. I won't take the drug test. Well, I guess you don't see your kid. Yeah, I got a guy right now who's like that. He's like, well, if this happens, I'm going to do that. I was like, dog, you lost the ability to make your decisions when you ended up in this judicial system. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to tell you. I can't yeah. tell you anything else other than that. You don't either. You want to play the game or you don't want to play the game, man. It's, it's, it's play the game. If you don't want to play the game, the consequences bear the house, go the way they go. And if you have some cool parents and y'all just split up, you're going to go joint and do the thing right. Everybody gets to make decisions what's best for the kid. If one of y'all's a fuck up and one of you's doing a little bit better, well, then you go to that second step. Well, where, yeah, possession and soul magic and serve. Yep. And they'll, they'll, you get your visitation. Maybe it's uh, monitored. Maybe it's not. You still got to pay child support. Correct. And if this dude's a ghost and he left you with a kid, at least keep him on that non-designation. Non-designation is when they, like, Something crazy, like beat your ass, beat the kid's ass. And all right, so they're wild. Put them on that because then they still owe you money if they win a windfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't terminate, I guess, because if that person's still alive and they win the lottery, you want a piece of that because they owe you something because mm-hmm. at least a person can pay some bills. They might not be able to do anything else, but mm-hmm. they can at least. Exactly. Maybe your kid's going to go to college. Maybe your kid's going to do something good mm-hmm. and needs that money. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the only time you can really – cancel is if you're doing a replacement with a better person or a good person or somebody at least is going to be there for that kid mm-hmm. i mean that's the crux of getting your kid taken away from you in texas uh i'm sure there'll be a lot of questions maybe i'll contact them back and we can get into some other depth that we missed out mm-hmm. um for us you can always visit us at centraltexasjustice.com if you need any other legal advice maybe some family things or some probate stuff nathan where can they reach out to you man 254-933-0200 michael mcgonnie associates All right, man. It was thanks for coming in. Uh, I'll let you next time. Thanks, man.